welcome to the Southcliff Podcast. We're glad you've joined us now. Here's Senior Pastor Dr. Carol Marr with this week's sermon. Great day. It has already been together today. We will celebrate the Lord's Supper together. So you should have had an opportunity on your way in to receive one of those little cups. If you didn't do that, I encourage you to go back and pick that up. We'll have an opportunity in a moment to celebrate together. Let me just also say that you don't have to be a member of our church uh, to participate with us. If you have accepted Jesus as your Savior and you recognize that He is the only way, there is no other, and you trust Him holy for your salvation. You've, you've turned to receive him as Savior. We would welcome you uh, to join us. And so you can pick that up and bring that in as we have that opportunity together today. Today's another fun day in the life of our church. Uh, God has been so gracious to us through the years. Um, it's been my privilege to pastor uh, an amazing church. And on any given Sunday, Whenever I speak to you, um, we have people within our congregation who can actually check out an earpiece, and what I say is translated live into Burmese and into Spanish. And today, we're adding a third language, and there are those that are with us today that will put on an earpiece, and they will hear what I'm saying to you in Swahili. So we are such an international church. I know it makes God smile when he looks. You know that's what heaven looks like. Every tribe, every nation coming together. And so we have the privilege of welcoming many of our brothers and sisters who are a part of our church whose first language is Swahili. Now, since we're just starting that ministry in Swahili, and I have been known to speak rather quickly, someone said in the translation department, Pastor, you speak at 100 miles an hour with gust of up to 130. And since our Swahili group is joining us today, I'm gonna speak slower and I'm gonna be more intentional and I'm gonna stay with my notes and I think it's good to do that. This is a good opportunity for them to begin and, um, and get in, in the saddle with me and then they'll be able to translate at 100 miles an hour with gusts up to 130. Well, today, is Palm Sunday. It's a day that we commemorate that Sunday that started the final week that Jesus was here on earth in his earthly ministry. On that Sunday, he rode into Jerusalem on the back of a colt that had never been ridden before. It was an amazing moment. People dropped palm branches before him and declared that he was Hosanna, Messiah, Son of God, the one who has come to redeem his people from their sin. And that event began the countdown 
to the greatest moment in all history. We celebrate next Sunday on Easter the greatest moment of all in history when God completes his plan of redemption and Jesus is raised from the dead and we have opportunity to be forgiven and restored in right fellowship with God. It was on Palm Sunday that prophecies that had been uttered hundreds of years earlier were fulfilled in what Jesus did. But it's the timing of Palm Sunday that offers, I think, one of the greatest pictures for us of what Jesus came to do. Because Palm Sunday was the day that the Passover lambs were selected. It was on that day that the lambs that would be offered and sacrificed and killed so that the nation of Israel could be forgiven. It was on that day that those lambs were selected and Jesus walks in on that lamb selection day to utter that he himself is indeed the Lamb of God. He had begun his ministry with the words of John the Baptist, seeing him as he, he approaches. And John said of Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And on Palm Sunday, the day that those lambs are selected for sacrifice, Jesus enters to ultimately become that Passover lamb for us. 42 months after John made that declaration, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, Jesus enters now to become that lamb. And do you know something? That really is what this book's all about. That is what this book teaches. That God loves us. That we are sinners separated from him. That the wages and punishment for sin is death. We die because we are sinners. But God loves us so much that he came in the person of Jesus to do for us what is impossible for us to offer redemption and forgiveness of sin. And so today, when we sit around the Lord's table, as we call it, we commemorate the importance of this moment. We, we remember, we stop and think about how great a sacrifice, how great a love he has for us. Over the last few months, we have been in the book of Joshua. We have looked in Joshua at the story of how the nation of Israel crosses over Jordan into the promised land. And I have told you that God is very specific in everything he tells the nation of Israel to do as they come into their, their fullness, as they come into the promised land. 
and we have discovered that the story of the nation of Israel coming into the promised land offers for us guidance and direction about how we too can walk into the fullness of all God has for us. We have been in this series of messages that I have referred to as victory, our new normal. That God's desire for us is to walk in victory. Now I wanna return to our study in Joshua to set the stage for what we're gonna do today. There's a part of the story that you might have thought I left out. Maybe I overlooked that. Sometimes I notice that my assistant Julie will, when she's walking through my notes and preparing them, she has a Bible that, that she highlights every verse of scripture that I preach from and, and read from. It's kind of fun for me to look through that Bible and see in the 24 years how much of it is, is yellow. But I would imagine there's a part of the book of Joshua that's, that's not colored in. And, and it's because I didn't mention this. And it might be that some of you looked at it and said, well, that's a scratch your head part of Joshua. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. And, and so maybe I understand why he overlooked it. But I really was saving it for, for this moment. In the book of Joshua, God leads Joshua and the nation to enter into the promised land. And the first thing they do after they arrive, you remember they get the stones out of the middle of the the river. They establish a memorial there. And then God says something very unusual. He said, Joshua, I want you to take stone and make flint knives so that you can perform a ritual that has been forgotten really among the people It was a ritual that signified a covenant relationship that I have with their fathers. And I want you to have all of the men circumcised to demonstrate a commitment to this covenant. If you have your Bible, look with me in chapter 5 of Joshua. And and we recognize that he tells us not only that they are to do this, he, he goes one step further and tells Joshua why, because that certainly would be the question we would have. He says to him in chapter five of Joshua, Joshua, I want you to make these flint knives and circumcise against the sons of Israel the second time. So Joshua made himself in verse three, flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gilbreth Halath, this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All of the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war, died in the wilderness along the way after they came out of Egypt. The only two people that were alive at this point who had been a part of God redeeming the nation of Israel from Egypt, who had witnessed the Passover, who had walked through the Red Sea, was Joshua and Caleb. Everybody else had died because of their sin. An entire nation had died. And everyone that walked over the Jordan had been born in the wilderness. And so he says... This is the reason 
because all of them had died. For all the people who came out were circumcised, but all the people who were born in the wilderness along the way, as they came out of Egypt, had not been circumcised. For the sons of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, that is the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not listen to the voice of the Lord to whom the Lord had sworn that he would not let them see the land which the Lord had sworn to the fathers to give us a land flowing with milk and honey. So because they had not gone through that ritual that was a part of that covenant, the sign of their covenant, God says, I want you to step up to the plate, and this is what we're going to do. There's going to be a time of consecration, Joshua. If you're going to walk in the fullness of what I have for you, if you're going to experience victory as I want, your, your heart's got to be right. Circumcision was a sign of a commitment to the covenant of God. The New Testament talks about a circumcision of the heart. Literally, Paul is talking about the fact that we give our lives completely to God and, and he, he puts his mark within us. We are his children. He is our father. I think he was simply saying this. Hey, guys, you don't get to walk in victory in your daddy's faith. You don't get to walk in victory in your mama's faith. You don't get to walk in victory because your grandparents prayed for you and because they love God. Many of us are blessed today because we had parents and grandparents who prayed for us. But God is simply saying this, if we're going to walk in victory, we're going to have to embrace Jesus for ourselves. This is a covenant that we must ourselves embrace. Now, the second thing that he asked them to do is this. He said, not only will you circumcise all those men, they did that, and after they had healed, the Bible says, after they had healed, look at what happens in verse, in verse 10. While the sons of Israel camped at Gilgal, they observed the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month on the desert plains of Jericho. On the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate some of the produce from the land, the unleavened cakes and parched grain. And guess what? The manna that God provided every day ceased on that day. It's a new day. And the new day began as they stopped and celebrated the Passover, as they remembered who they were and who he was. Now, let me remind you very quickly of what the Passover is so that we understand fully what's happening. In the book of Exodus, when God delivers the nation of Israel, they had been in Egypt, prisoners in bondage, slaves, for over 400 years. They had cried out to God. There was nothing they could do to get out of the slavery and bondage that they were in. But God promises to do for them what they cannot do for themselves and he sends Moses Moses comes and you know the story how he confronted Pharaoh and and God provides the plagues and the final plague was that the firstborn of all of Egypt would be killed would die unless they followed specific instructions by God and and this is what God tells them to do in that 
passage of scripture in Exodus chapter 12. He tells them of the Passover lamb. Now, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month will be the beginning month for you and the firstborn uh, first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation and say on the 10th of the month, they are to each one, listen to this carefully, they are each one to take a lamb for themselves according to the flocks, their household, a lamb for each household. Now, if a household is too small for a lamb, then he and his neighbors nearest to that house are to take one according to the number of persons in them, according to what each man should eat. You are to divide the lamb. Your lamb shall be an, an unblemished male, a year old, and you shall take it from the sheep or for the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel are to kill it at twice. Twilight. Moreover, you shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat. He goes on later to say that what's going to happen is on this night, the death angel will pass over Israel. And every house that does not have the blood of that lamb, that Passover lamb on the doorposts and lintel, when the death angel passes over, there will be death coming to that household. The firstborn in that household will die. Now, the sacrificial system's not new. In Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, God, being a holy God, had to punish sin. And the Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. So God kicks Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden. No longer are they able to live forever. Death has now entered the world, but God loved Adam and Eve. And he wanted to make a way that their sin could be forgiven, that they could have a relationship with him. And so you remember what God did. The first death recorded in the Bible, God kills an animal and provides from that animal a covering for Adam and Eve. It's a picture of an innocent substitute dying to cover your sins so that you can have a relationship with God. From that moment forward, all the way through the Old Testament, in order to be made right with God, an innocent substitute must die in our place. But something changes at the Passover. Until the Passover, you were to take an animal and you're to kill it. And you know, I think it's possible for us to take an animal and, and, and as horrible as that is, and, and it reminds us certainly of the, the horror of sin and the penalty of sin is death, that this animal, this poor innocent animal has to die in my place. But somehow before the Passover, we could do that almost out of sight, out of mind. But God does something different at Passover. At Passover, he says, on the 10th of the month, you're to take a lamb and bring it in your house. And it's to live with you for four days. All of the sudden now, sacrifice is connected to a relationship. And at the end of that four days, you kill the lamb. Now, I want to tell you something. There'd be a lot of tears in my house at the end of four days when we kill the lamb. 
If you've got small children, they're distraught. You're distraught. You are now connected, and you've got to kill this lamb. And you've got to eat this lamb. All of a sudden, it's not something out there anymore. This is, this is personal now. There, there, there's a relationship connection. The Passover lamb. And I think ultimately pointing to the time that Jesus would become the lamb of God, he takes away the sins of the world, and he's ultimately saying that, that the forgiveness of sin that is offered through this lamb is through a relationship with the lamb. You, you, you can't get there apart from that. This week we are reminded of the death of Jesus, and it was not a clean and pretty death. It was gruesome. It was horrible. It was horrific. He suffered, brutally beaten, to the point that he was not recognized. You and I cannot even comprehend how horrible it is, and we have a tendency to want to put that part away. But today, as we celebrate around the Lord's table, Jesus is saying, you can't put that part away. Because it's only as you understand what he suffered that you understand how horrible your sin. You, my friend, are a sinner. And you can't save yourself. And I don't care how good you are and how good you've lived. You've not lived good enough to go to heaven. Only perfect people go to heaven and none of us are perfect. We deserve to die separated from God. But Jesus loved us. And God came to earth in the person of Jesus, born of a virgin, so that he didn't inherit a sin nature like us. So he didn't deserve to die. We are born into sin. Jesus wasn't. The reason we die is because we are sinners. He never sinned. He didn't have to die. He died in your place the Passover lamb so that your sin debt could be forgiven and you can receive the forgiveness of your sin and the gift of eternal life that he paid for on the cross as you receive him as your Savior and Lord Jesus died so you can live three days later he rises from the dead that demonstrates God accepted his death as payment in full for years. If Jesus hadn't raised from the dead, his death would have been like anybody else's. What makes his death different? He rose from the dead. God accepted his death as payment for your sin, brings him back to life so that through faith in him, we can have eternal life. And if you're here today and you have never accepted Jesus as Savior, you're not going to heaven because you're Baptist or Methodist or Catholic or Presbyterian. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. And if you have never turned from your sin, if you have never said, God, I know I'm a sinner. I get it. But God, I also know that you love me and you came to earth and you lived and died. And you rose again. And I believe that and I accept that. I receive that. 
And I ask you to forgive me of my sin and I accept you as my savior. I turn my life over to you. I make a decision today to receive you as my savior. And if you make that decision today, what God did for you, becoming the Passover lamb, will provide for you in this moment today, eternal life. And if you're here today and have received Jesus as your savior, this is a moment for us to stop and remember where we were when he found us on our road to hell with no hope of eternity. But he found me there and loved me and gave me new life in him and an opportunity for us to remember. And so before we celebrate around the Lord's table today, we have to make sure that our heart's where it needs to be. Joshua, before the people can ever have the victory they have, there needs to be a new commitment made on their part with me. They're not gonna be able to live on the commitment that others have made. They gotta make a new one. And you too need to make that commitment today. And I'm going to give you an opportunity if you've never accepted Jesus to come and receive him as Savior. I'm going to stand here at the front. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to put you on the spot, never ask you to say anything in front of these people. But today you can know that you know that you know Jesus if you'll come and receive him. And if you're nervous about that, you know what? You're, you're in a good place. You're surrounded by people who've made that same decision. And I guarantee you, if you'll just turn to the person beside you, you may not even know who they are. And if you would say, will you go with me? I promise you, they'll come with you right here while you make that decision for Jesus. And for those of you who have made the decision, now's the time to say, God, search my heart. When I think about what you've done for me, I want to make sure my heart's right so that I can say thank you and live as you've called me to live. So you make those decisions you need to make during this next song. Would you do that as God speaks? Father, speak to us today. There are people in this room, there are people that are listening, need to make a decision. Right now, they have, they believe Jesus is God's son, but they've never acted on that belief. They know they need to come to receive him. Today's the day, and I pray they'll do that in this moment as you speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. From everyone at Southcliff Church, thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Southcliff Church, please go to southcliff.com to share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry, send an email to scpodcast at southcliff.com. That's scpodcast at southcliff.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. Your financial gifts help accomplish the mission God has given us.